Hey, good morning, Kettleworth Jackson. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. We are starting a brand new series this morning that's going to take us all the way through February. And uh, there are certain issues, certain topics that we as pastors bump up to time and time again and again and again and again. And these topics and issues are issues to which the scriptures speak clearly and plainly to. And so there are just things that we know as pastors that are like, we just need to teach about this over and over and over again because we see it so often in the context of our counseling sessions. And one of the, those issues that makes it kind of to the top of the list every year is these issues of family and marriage. Okay? No surprises there. And so we're uh, kind of doing this family that we're starting today called This Is Us. And what we want to say, even though This Is Us is the name of a hip new television s- series that has to deal with family, what we want to say in this series is that this is us. This is what we hope to see as people who have been redeemed by the Son of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and live under the authority of the Word of God. This is what we want to portray as His people. This is us. This is our ideal as family. Now, as I said, uh, This Is Us is also the name of a uh, television program uh, that has to deal with family. I just found that out as we were kind of brainstorming for this session. I didn't know that because I live under a rock. Okay, uh, but there actually have been many fam- many uh, television series that have had to do with family over the years. And I just want to go want to walk through them with you kind of chronologically in chronological order uh, this morning with you. If you go way, way back, we start off with this family right here. What family is that? Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best ran from 1954 to 1960, chronicling the life of the Anderson family. Mother Margaret there was a stay-at-home mom, and, uh, and the father, Jim, ran his own kind of insurance company, and, and he just kind of offered sage advice as father to his, his kids who were running into different uh, situations throughout, throughout the show. And one historian uh, has had this, this to say about, um, you know, father knows best, that this was kind of the idealized family in America that everyone could aspire to be like. Okay, Father knows best. So if you move forward a little bit from there, who is this? The Brady Bunch. Okay, now you have a blended family. Siblings are fighting a little bit more. Mike Brady is a widowed architect with three sons. What are the three sons' names? Peter, Greg, Bobby, and Peter. Very good. Very good. And he marries... Then uh, Carol Martin, who herself has three daughters. What are the daughters' names? Jan and Cindy. That's right. Okay. And episodes focus on typical preteen and teenage adjustments such as sibling rivalry, puppy love, self-image, character building, and responsibility. After this show is kind of wrapping up, we get up into the next show. All in the family. It ran from 1971 to 1979. There's a little bit more disrespect that's happening between husband and wife in all of the family. The show broke ground in its depiction of issues previously considered unsuitable for U.S. network television, such as racism, women's liberation, rape, religion, miscarriage, abortion, the Vietnam War, and impotence, stuff like that. So as that show was wrapping up, In the late 80s, we had another show, Need I Say Anymore? Okay, 
Roseanne was the most watched television show in America from 1989 to 19, 1990. It ran uh, for almost 10 years, all the way up to 1997. It tried to, they said, it was the first show that they said realistically depicted the life of a blue-collar blue American family. And some of the episodes had to do with the daughter breaking into the liquor cabinet, getting drunk with her friends. Others had her asking for uh, birth control pills. It dealt with issues of, of abortion. One of the uh, characters came out as a homosexual. It was all sorts of things. Drug abuse, alcoholism, abortion, sexual dysfunction, everything. As that show was wrapping up, another show came on the scene. Who knows what this show is? Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Now, Dad doesn't know anything. <laughs> it's not that Father knows best. Father doesn't know anything. He's a complete idiot. Mom is the brilliant one. And Raymond often avoids responsibility around the house and with his kids, leaving that to his wife, Deborah. In this show, basically what you have is you have adults acting as children. Okay? The children in this picture didn't really even play a large role in the show at all. It was mostly about the adults acting like children. Which brings us up to the present day right here. Modern family. Parents Phil and Claire yearn for an honest, open relationship with their three kids, but they have a daughter who's growing up too fast and the one who's too smart for her own good and a rebunctious young son to make it challenging. Claire's dad, Jay, has his Latina wife, Gloria, and they're raising two sons together, okay? Jay's gay son, Mitchell, is, or gay son, Mitchell, and his partner, Cameron, have adopted a little Asian girl, completing one big, straight, gay, multicultural, traditional, happy family. Does anyone notice a trend here? What's, what's going on in this picture? What is happening to the American concept of family? Obviously, it's moving further and further away from the traditional notions of family and becoming more and more distorted from the idea of an intact nuclear family. Now, we could argue as to whether Hollywood is pushing its values on the American psyche or whether it's trying to reflect what they already see as being true on the American culture in the end i think it's a little bit of both but what we can't have to see happening here is this progression of television seeking to project or emulate a family that is what's considered family and that the issues of issues confronting family have become more and more complex more and more dark and increasingly dysfunctional and anyone who has lived a few years can resonate with that fact yes uh, the high school that my kids now attend is, is dramatically different than the high school that I attended over 30 years ago. Wow, that makes me feel old, you know. Uh, but, but my kids come home and they tell me, they say, Dad, uh, we are the minority in our family, in, in, our, in, our, in our school today. You know, most of our friends come from divorced families, broken families, single parent families. Some of their friends are, you know, are with a single parent who then kind of trades partners and all of a sudden one of their partners is now the parent of one of their classmates' friends and so they're thrown into a house together with their classmates and they have to navigate that, those kind of treacherous waters of what does it mean to be siblings 
or, or in the same family, in the same house with some of their classmates. Now, we don't say this to, to shame anybody or if you're from a divorce situation. We're, we're not trying to put it out that God forgives everything and, and nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we just want to kind of, kind of say that all of this hasn't come without a cost. It is extremely hard, extremely hard to consistently teach standards, ideals, and principles in such an ever-changing and chaotic environment. And, uh, and so respect has kind of gone out the window. Respect for others, respect for authority, respect for yourself. Values like selflessness and self-sacrifice and self-discipline have replaced, been replaced by selfishness and self-indulgence and self-centeredness. Uh, it's interesting, all of this has been kind of predicted by the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago. Now, we think of the Apostle Paul as a brilliant theologian, which he was, but he was also a very precise and accurate predictor of the world in which we live in right now. Let's put those verses up here from Second Timothy. Um, if you want to follow in your Bibles on the floor, you can. The page numbers are in your bulletin in, insert, or you can follow along on the screen as well. This is what he says. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its true power. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anyone at all? I would say and, 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 and say that this is a fairly accurate depiction of life in 2017 in America right now. Like if we were to just go down that list, we could, we could tell that people would be lovers of themselves. Selfie, check, okay? Lovers of money, the accumulation of wealth in our society has become an industry in and of itself, okay? Boastful, proud, you know, humility has kind of become a lost art in our society. If you have any questions about that, just watch the football players this evening when they score a touchdown, okay? Abusive. The United States has one of the highest child abuse rates of any industrialized nation. We lose four to seven children a day to child abuse. And if you have any questions, I'll just talk to any of the families in our church that is taking in some of these foster kids and they will tell you stories that will curl your hair. If you have hair. But it would curl it if you had it. So. But, and, and so this just, we have to just kind of, I, I just want to put this up there and just say, as a society, we just kind of have to own this. This is the reality that we live in today. To deny this would be just to be living in denial. Okay? And so I think we just have to own the fact that this is the world that we live in today. But against this kind of scary backdrop right here, God is calling people who belong to him, who have been redeemed by his son, who are, who are filled with the spirit of God and who live under the authority of the word of God to present an alternative story to the world around us, to present an alternative narrative 
to the world around us. And the primary venue, one of the primary venues that we do this than anything else is how we live and do family. How we live and do family. Now, what's really interesting in these verses that, uh, that Paul begins with is he begins by saying in Second Timothy there, in the last days. In the last days. Now, what does he mean when he says this? In the last days. Many times people will come up to me and they say, Pastor Mike, do you think we're living in the last days? And they kind of get this really spooky look on their face. And, uh, and so to kind of understand what Paul means when he says in the last days, we have to look at a, a kind of another verse. And so I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 24 if you want to, or we'll have it up on the end. When Matthew chapter 24, the, the, Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple grounds. The, the disciples are kind of admiring the temple and saying, oh, what cool architecture, just amazing. And Jesus says, you know what, a time's coming when uh, all these stones are going to be absolutely thrown down and this temple's not going to really exist much anymore. And then the disciples ask this question in verse 3. They say, you know, really, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The end of the age. Okay, so to kind of break this down here and not go into too much detail, but kind of help us out here, ancient Hebrew thought had all of history broken down into two grand epochs or two grand eras. There was the current age that they were in, okay? The current age or the current day that they were in. But then there was this going to be this grand day of reckoning where God was going to come. He was going to set up his Messiah and the age to come was going to be ushered in. This age to come was going to be an age of peace and justice and righteousness when God's Messiah was going to rule and reign on the earth. And the disciples are saying, when is this going to happen? And Jesus, it's very interesting, at the very beginning of his, series, of his, of his ministry in Mark chapter 1, if you read Mark chapter 1, he comes on the scene and he says, the time has come. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And he kind of inaugurates the kingdom and he says, the, king, the, the age of the kingdom, the age to come, has begun. But what happens is that the, this current age that they are in kind of continues. You still have death. You still have sin. You still have unrighteousness. And Jesus is saying is that there is going to become, come an end of the age, okay, when he comes again and he will bring all things to a conclusion. So if we put those verses up in Matthew 24, 9 through 14, he says, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come, okay? So we're living in between the two ages when Jesus first comes and he will come again and bring all things to a conclusion. He says, and then the end will come. During this time, in between these two times, there's going to be lots of things happening. There's going to be an increase in wickedness, okay? Jesus said in another part in Matthew chapter 5 that the world is kind of like a raw piece of meat. He alludes to this and he says, 
it just is continuing to decay and decay and get worse and worse. Okay? But God's people are like salt rubbed into that piece of meat. They slow the decaying process. Now, salt does not stop the decaying process altogether, but it does slow it. Okay? And Jesus is saying that the world is just naturally, normally, like a raw piece of meat left to itself, is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And there's going to be this increase of wickedness. But in the midst of that, there's also going to be this great winnowing that takes place, and there's going to be great, you know, kind of persecution and increase. The heat is going to kind of get kind of turned up, and it's going to have this great sifting and winnowing effect where the people of God are going to become more and more aligned with Jesus, and people who are following Jesus just because it's comfortable just because it's convenient and just because it's popular, when it stops being convenient and when it stops being comfortable and it stops being popular, they're going to stop following Jesus. And so there's going to be this great sifting and great winnowing effect that happens during this time. And during this time, because of the increase of wickedness, uh, things like respect, things like kindness, things, all the things that we're seeing happen in respect are going out the window. Now, I know that I'm painting a, a broad general strokes here, but the undeniable trend is, is this. And I defy anyone to prove to me that the opposite is occurring in our country today. And the only way of, out of this destructive cycle is for Christ to intervene. And if someone in, the, in, this, in this cycle kind of repents and comes to faith in Christ, and is redeemed by the Son of God, filled by the Spirit of God, and lives under the authority of God, then all bets are off. The sky's the limit. Anything can happen, and a new story can be written. I have a a good friend. He and his wife both come from broken families. Very, very dysfunctional. When he was going golfing with his future father-in-law, the guy who's the dad of of his wife, they were going golfing, and the dad asked him, he says, Hey, are you having sex with my daughter? Because if I were you, I'd be having sex with my daughter. That's the kind of marriage that they kind of walked into. But they have both been redeemed by the Son of God, filled by the Spirit of God, and live under the authority of God. And he has written a brand new redemptive story. And his family is one of the most redemptive and kingdom-minded families that i know of okay and so during this time between the first and second coming of jesus between the kingdom being inaugurated but not consummated there's going to be this ever-increasing wickedness but at, in, the, in the midst of all this increased wickedness god's own unique people are going to become more and more distinct more and more different jesus says that the love of most will grow cold okay that people who profess to follow jesus when the heat gets turned up, they're going to naturally fall away. Now, you may be asking yourself and wondering, what exactly does, does God want to do during this time that we're in between the first and second comings when the kingdom has been inaugurated but not consummated? What exactly is God up to? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Let's, let's look at one last verse in the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Paul says this to his young protege, Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives 
in this present age, this present age that we are now in. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory and of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. To purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul here is saying that there are two appearings. The word shows up twice or a derivative shows up twice in this, in this verse. First is that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The first appearing was Jesus. It was him coming as a baby, growing as a man, dying on the cross to redeem us. The first coming. And then we're waiting for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are living in between the two appearings, the first appearing and the second appearing. And in the meantime, what he is up to is he is purifying for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, so that we'd be so filled by his spirit and living under the authority of the word of God that we would be distinct and different from the world and the primary venue that we can live this out to our culture and to our world is in how we live and do family. How we live and do family. In contrast to some of the television shows that we saw earlier, we are to be different and distinct. Now, speaking of television shows, I just have to confess as a pastor that I get a little bit nervous and concerned sometimes when I hear about of the amount of media and television that our people consume. I just, I just have to say that. And my concern is this, is that we as a people of God are actually being more discipled by television than we are by the Word of God. And I just want you to ask yourself a question. Might that be true? Am I allowing Hollywood's values and priorities through what I watch and consume in media have more of an influence on my life than I do spending time in the Word of God? Because if you spend more time being influenced by Hollywood and by television than you do in, watching the word, in, in reading the Word of God and you expect to live differently from the world, you have another thing coming. We will not be distinct if that is the case. And we're not being distinct if that is the case. Case in point, some of you may or may not know that the divorce rate in the church is exactly identical to the world. Okay? That's just the way it is. Now, if you've been through a divorce, there is healing, there is hope, there is forgiveness, all of that. We're not saying this to shame you. But as your pastor, as the pastor of Kettlebrook Church, I have to stand before you and say that is not God's expectation for family. For people who have been redeemed by the Son of God, who have been filled by the Spirit of God, and who are living under the authority of the Word of God, we are to be distinct in that way. And the primary way that we do this is through how we live and do family. Now, I don't have a ton of applications for you in today's message. Unless you want to turn off the television, which would be wonderful, okay? That would be great. But 
But really, my application is this, is I want to encourage you, all of you, to come to the rest of this series. We're going to be talking about family from every single conceivable aspect, and we want to encourage you to come. We're going to have Troy Lather here. We're going to have Stephanie Lather here. We're going to have Ryan here kicking it all off at the, or at, at the end, talking about parenting. Just come, because one thing I know is that we, as a called-out, unique people of God, remember? Let's put up that verse on Titus one more time. Need to be distinct and different. Let's just stand. And I just want us to read this verse as kind of a benediction for ourselves as we kind of conclude our time in God's Word together. Let's read this together. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Amen and amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for my friends at Kettlebrook that we might be distinct, that we might be different, that we might be people who are redeemed by the Son of God, filled with the Spirit of God, living under the authority of God, so that you might receive the glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.